Welcome to this episode of Life Hurts, God Heals. So glad you're here with us this late afternoon, evening, uh, to reflect on life, to figure out how to do life, especially with the wonderful help of God. And through the faith that we express in Jesus Christ. And we express that in many very daily ways, don't we? And uh, so the goal of this show is, is to contemplate more of how we can do life together in Christ. And to do it in a way that exhibits uh, the wonderful goodness and joy we have because of our relationship with him. So here we go on to the journey. And one of the lighthearted things we do in our shows is to oh, locate some sometimes humorous, but things that you really don't need to know. You know what I mean by that, right? Little trivias that are kind of interesting. Like I ran across this week an interesting bit of data that was very important to my life. It's definitely a need-to-know basis. Did you know that there is a tarantula named after Johnny Cash? You could call it the spider in black, right? A tarantula named after Johnny Cash. Its official name, and I'm not really good at pronouncing names, but... Its official name is Afonopelma Johnny Cashy. <laughs> that's, that's the technical name for this new species of tarantula, which was discovered, you guess, guess where, right? It was discovered near California's Folsom Prison in 2015. Doesn't that, isn't that just amazing? You know, I'm glad that, that uh, you know, Johnny Cash will forever be more memorialized in some way uh, until that species of spider dies out. I prefer not to have a species of spider named after me. It would be kind of neat, though, if there was a raptor or a, a bird of prey that was suddenly discovered and I would fit the bill. That would be actually kind of fun, I think. And, uh, you know, it seems like in my yesteryears, I do remember this, this uh, bit of knowledge. It has to do with the planet Venus, and it's just kind of fun. It plays with the mind to think about. Did you know that a day is longer than a year on the planet Venus? A day is longer than a year. Because the rotation of Venus is very slow, Making a full rotation, here's what it says, only every 243 Earth days. In contrast, the planet goes around the sun once every 225 Earth days, making its year 18 Earth days shorter than its day. I found that fun. Hope you do too. I didn't know that Russia was founded by the Vikings. You, you know, when I think of the Vikings, I think of Mel Gibson, right? <laughs> you know, or, or some kind of, you know, tribe up in the Scandinavian countries or Iceland or someplace like, like that. Uh, but the founder of Russia was a Viking named Oleg. Oleg. And his, and his people were called the Kivian Rus, which is where the name Russia came from. See, 
this show is so beneficial for you in so many ways. Uh, also, now I'm not a vegan, but if you're a vegan, which means you, you uh, are staying away from animal-based protein-type foods, you'll be glad to know that you can eat as many Oreos as you want. I think that's, I think that's astounding. In fact, if I were vegan, I probably would have, I don't know, 20 or 30 Oreos a day. <laughs> I love those cookies. And this is also a need to know. I, and I would have never thought to even think this. But I'm glad somebody did. Did you know that, that penguin urine makes up about 3% of Antarctica's glaciers. See how important that is for you to know? Apparently, the very low temperature in Antarctica means urine freezes almost instantly, and, uh, and because there's very little evaporation down there, there you go. And they say, this they, whoever they is, the, the, the people that know these things, they probably got a you know $50 million grant just to study penguin urine or something. But anyway, penguin pee becomes part of the ice and it leaves visible yellow and orange streaks in many glaciers. So there you go. See? Now you now we're off to a great start on our show, which incidentally has nothing to do with these things that I've I've stated. We are well, you know the title of the show was The Secret Power of God. And you know, as a pastor, I have an aversion to the word secret because I don't believe there is, while there are certain mysteries in Scripture about, you know, why Jesus came and so forth, uh, but there, most of them are revealed. What is a mystery is, is really the future, you know, book of Revelation and so forth. But I have an aversion to things like secret keys or secret numbers or hidden, you know, the hidden numerology, the hidden mysteries of the Bible, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't buy into any of that. I, I guess I'm a pragmatic, uh, practical kind of guy. And I just believe while, while God is certainly mysterious in all of his many uh, facets of plans and character and, and behaviors and, you know, um, yet God has, has made himself very plain and simple to those who are looking for him. So, I, you know, I, I kind of put that hidden power of God in the title, the hidden power of God to overcome every hardship. But I also wanted to add in, but I couldn't because the title's too long, but I, I wanted to say, but not really. But not really hidden. It's not a secret. It's in the Bible. It's, it's really all over the scriptures. But, you know, life is filled with devastating hardships at times, conflicts. And when you get enough of these and they're piling on, it can remove your motivation to live to press on. It can move you to places of despair where you're asking why, 
Why this? Why that? And then doubt about your faith or the reality of the resurrection and the reality of God can begin to weave its way and sneak its way into our our thinking and it can become a cancer and and begin to wreak havoc in our relationship with God. And of course, we know that's exactly what uh, Satan wants to do wants to destroy us. And so part of the show, I think, it's life hurts, God heals. And so much of what God wants to do in terms of bringing healing is to bring an an antibiotic, right? Something additional to our life that is a preventative and a fixer. And what I have found in my life is, is that much of the emotional hurt and pain that was unleashed in my life could have been prevented had I done preventative things, preparatory things properly in my life. Thankfully, God knows, you know, that we're not perfect in all of these endeavors and that we will stumble uh, along the path and Pilgrim's progress can become uh, a very long journey, especially my journey. And uh, and as I've mentioned in previous uh, episodes, all the knowledge of the Bible and all the time spent uh, studying the Bible didn't always yield these preventative preparatory types of steps I needed. And if they did, I overlooked them out of my own rebellion, my own pride, or my own zeal, (laughs) you know, or just the busyness of life. I didn't really allow God's word to take root in the proper places in my life. So, That's what this show is about. I I wanted to talk about this secret hidden power that's not really so secretive. And I'm just going to blurt it out. It's love. Love. I want you to think about something as as I was contemplating all of this this morning. Most of us, or maybe some of us, have been parents, are parents, but all of us have been children. And have you ever asked yourself why our parents put up with us as kids? I know I have. Why did why did our parents put up with the antics, the difficulties, or the difficulties I made for them in their life? Why did they... Why did my parents clean up the messes I made? You know, immediately I was thinking, because I've had to do my share of cleanups, <laughs> clean up in the bath, in the bedroom because one of the children vomited, got sick. Or, you know, clean up in the bathroom because they missed the toilet. <laughs> you know, but, but why did I clean up? And why did I do that with a certain degree of patience? 
Why did I stay up late at night? Why do parents do this, staying up late at night doing laundry or doing dishes? What is it that was compelling us as parents or compelling our parents to do these great acts of of not really happy things. It's not what, what they first chose to do when they woke up that day. It's not what I chose to do. Why do I, why, why do I face the difficulties that I face as parents? Why do we do the same for our kids? And really, it comes down to love. And it's it's not an outspoken love. It's, it's not something that is expressed in saying, I'm loving you by cleaning up your dishes. I'm loving you by doing your laundry. You know, it's, it's, it's hidden, but it's not a secret. Our parents loved us. We love our kids. Love is a secret power because we don't, often think of what we do as parents in those terms. I mean, when I was doing, you know, housework and so forth, I wasn't thinking about love. I, I may not have even been thinking about my kids, but I do those things to keep our house in relative order amongst a, a whole slew of children. We know that love is there. It's just we don't often acknowledge it. And this is why I call it a secret, but not really a secret. Because it is that love which motivates us to do hard things and compels us to do the necessary yucky things to grow our children, to move them along. It's what my parents did to move me along in life, to, to grow up and become a productive individual and so forth. So that's kind of the opening picture I wanted to give to us so that we might consider the love of God. The secret power of God's love for us that compelled him to do a very yucky thing for us. On the cross the suffering and the mocking. Something he didn't have to do, he chose to do. Because there was love inside of him. And then, of course, he makes us in his image and he puts that same kind of love in us so that we can raise our children and do the yucky things so that they will prosper and grow. But there's something a little bit more that I've been contemplating on. And, and what comes to mind is, is the word catalyst. Now, I'm not a scientist, and I, you know, I'm not a, a science. I love science, but, but I'm not an expert. So if, if I define this wrong, okay, uh, uh, you can shoot me in your mind, just, you know, uh, don't hold it against me, <laughs> okay? But my my sense of catalyst is that you know if if you have two or three chemicals that are mixed in and they are going to do something, 
Okay, maybe they're going to harden something or they're going to soften something or they're going to produce some different kind of product. A catalyst is an additional product that you put into the mix that actually speeds up what is already happening. It speeds it up. Does that make sense? It 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 brings about a significant change or an action. And that that's on a chemical basis. But we often use the idea of catalyst as a a uh, a word that means a, a trigger for something to happen. We might say, for instance, that a bombing attack was a catalyst for war. There were already tensions. There were already things brewing in the mix. But then something happened. A trigger happens. A catalyst happens. And now suddenly we're in the middle of a conflict. Bam. Okay. Sometimes it's not as dramatic as that. Although a catalyst, the idea of a catalyst is somewhat dramatic. But, but uh, I saw someone give an illustration of this where, you know, an individual can be a catalyst for reform. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. was a, a catalyst for reform on race relations. Things were already moving in that direction, but uh, individuals like, you know, Martin Luther King or a woman on a bus not standing up for her right to sit wherever she wants, or th those can be catalysts type of situations. Well, anyway, when I was thinking about this subject of the power to overcome everyday hardships, I, and I was thinking about God's love for me and my love for God, I thought, wow, you know, there, there's probably the makings there of the of the whole process of God transforming us, transforming our mind, sanctifying us. That's a big fancy word for, you know, changing us into his image. It's, it's uh, into his righteousness. It's, it's the daily process. But honestly, there are days when and I'm sure you experience these days, particularly now as people have been quarantined and there's all this pent-up energy to want to do something, to want to get back to normal. But because we were trapped, we became discouraged and, and we begin to lose that energy, that motivation, uh, that compelling drive to do to do life we become despondent we can even move toward a a depression if you will um, and you know once we get there then all kinds of uh, things can happen we can you know pursue uh, feelings and pleasures to get us out of that and those feelings and depression and pleasures sometimes are good, but if we take the wrong direction, well, then we get into a whole bucket load of sin and junk that we should never have gotten into, all because we were 
feeling apathy, having difficulty, looking for something to energize our life. And, uh, you know, this is kind of the reality. And, and, And for those of us who have experienced serious uh, hardship, pain, when when stress levels uh, go way over a magnitude of ten, and they keep coming because and and there's no time to process the previous stress before another dump truck load dumps on you. Some of you have been grieving ten times over loss after loss after loss after loss. Sometimes it's conflict at work that just never ceases. And you go, why why do I even get up in the morning? Or maybe it's conflict at home, facing a spouse that we feel resents us, hates us, treats us like, you know, or or the the difficulty of a a child that, that doesn't want to follow the rules of the house. Whatever it is, uh, these things, when, they're, when they keep piling on, not to mention all the stress that the government then puts on us, and now we're, we're concerned about how we're going to pay our bills, did I lose my job, I was furloughed, how long is that going to last, will my company even survive? I mean, I, I'm just reading the list of bankruptcies of these companies because of what uh, uh, the restraints that this virus pressured our government into doing. And then all the frustration of, gee, should we or should not we have done all of those things? Could we, could we not have? You know, all the regrets, all the should haves and could haves. You know, it just, life is a, a boatload of, and how do we heal from that? Well, I want to get back to love. Because there is a catalyst that is in love. And, and I, I want to uh, begin processing some of the biblical scriptures. The, it's, it's our nourishment for our spirit when we are struggling with apathy and despondency. I mean, I can love people I don't like if I do it as a loving act of worship for God. That's, that's the catalyst, folks. That's the catalyst I'm talking about. You see, it's one thing for God to love me and, 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 and I can feel His love. But, you know, feelings come and go, and when life presses in, sometimes God's love seems distant. And I can read about it in the scriptures, but my faith can become weak as life presses in. And I can think about my love for God, but sometimes the same stresses on my love for God get weakened because of of the, the shouts of the world and even the shouts of my own flesh. I don't want life to be this hard. I want to know the abundant life. What is that abundant life? Well, let me tell you, there is an abundant life. But it, but it, it does have to do with 
how we process this whole arena of our relationship with God. This catalyst that I'm talking about is is an element of my love for God. And the catalyst is this. What if I were to do the hard thing out of my love for God? The same way that I love my children and I do the hard things out of my love for God. In other words, while parents and children might not talk about that love, the catalyst is actually pulling that out of the hat, unveiling it and saying, it is because I love you that I'm doing these things. That's the catalyst in our relationship with our Father in heaven. To begin to reorient every part of our life as an expression, as an action of genuine love for God. In other words, I'm not going to focus on the yucky, on the messy, on the conflict or on the hard. I'm going to focus on my Father in heaven. I love you, Lord, and I love you so much, I'm going to do this. I don't have to love the yucky thing. Who loves vomit? I don't. Who loves laundry? I don't. Who loves dishes? I don't. I'm wage- I would wager to bet you don't love those things either. But I love my kids. You love your kids, and I love my Father. And when I put that in the mix, in the blend, in the journey of my relationship with God, do you know what happened to me? Uh, A whole new concoction It felt like, but what I have since discovered is I sped up my journey into God. I deepened my relationship with God overnight. I mean, it was dramatic. And as I began to realize this, this dramatic change, I wanted more. I wanted lots more. And I began to orient my entire day and all of my relationships around my love for God. Folks, I'm telling you, it was fantastic. And then I started asking myself, how did I miss this? How did I miss this all of these years? Well, I don't have an answer for you. But when I went to the scriptures, I began to realize It was there all the time. I just read it differently. For some reason, I I think it was my expectation that God was going to do this magically in my life. That I was going to be able to live an abundant life 
because something was poured into me. Well, something was poured into me. God's presence, His Spirit lives in me. His love was demonstrated to me. And I loved Him for forgiving all of my sins. But you know what, folks? I thought that was all that was needed. And it took all of these years. And maybe I would have never discovered it early. (laughs) Until just the right time when I'm ready to listen. And do you know when I'm ready to listen? It's probably the same time you're ready to listen. When you're at the bottom of the barrel, bottom of the bucket, at the bottom of the hill, in the valley. Okay, I'm ready to listen. Show me how to get out of here. Show me the steps. I'm humble enough now. I'm done doing it my way and I'm done doing it the way other people told me that I'm supposed to do it. Preachers and teachers and so forth. The hundreds of books I've read on on the abundant life and the secret keys of the kingdom and so forth. It was there all the time. It's not hidden at all. It was about Loving God. In fact, let me read to you some scriptures just just to tell you how revealed it is in the scriptures. Paul, in his prayer, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is the process. This is the, the journey. The, this is the blend that God has put within every believer. But there is a reason for it. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, good. I like that so far. But he continues the prayer. He says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love may have power. Rooted and established in love so that I would have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ in me and to know this love that surpasses knowledge to know this love how does somebody really know something we say well they got to experience how do we experience it we got to do it we got to do it for others in other words we can talk about god's love for us all the time but we really don't know what sacrifice is until we experience sacrifice. We don't know the hardship of God's love for us until we get into that hardship. He says, to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Rooted and established in love to have power. The power of a changed life. The power to actually understand the fullness of God's love. You know, God is, is 
changing us. He's, he's transforming us into the image of his son. So he pours all of these ingredients in us so that we may actually do something like what God did for us. You see this, this transformation. Here's some more scriptures, not as long. Ephesians 5, 2, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us. Walk in the way of love. 1 Corinthians 8, 3, whoever loves God is known by God. Here we are talking about a catalyst, a trigger that actually speeds up the process. And the catalyst is my love for God expressed. My, I mean, I can say I love God through many songs of worship, and I do. And there is a, a beautiful, intimate, and, dev, and, and, and wonderful devotion in that. And that may even act as a trigger to, to do love for God. Because that's what we're talking about here, folks. Is doing life in love for God, not just doing life. Not just processing the Christian faith on a daily basis based on, based on how much I go to a Bible study or, you know, or go to church, but actually doing the stuff of the kingdom of heaven. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, this gets to the nugget of it. The apostle says, do everything in love. Did you hear that? Do everything in love. In 2 Corinthians, by the way, that's in 1 Corinthians 16, 14. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14, the apostle says, Christ's love compels us. You know, that is something that I've been hungering for for the longest time, but I wanted Christ's love to compel me, but I could never figure out how to make that happen until I realized, oh, it's my love for God that helps me realize God's love for me. Oh, wow. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Galatians 5, 6, chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. I love this. <laughs> you know, all the external things that we can get caught up in to make us feel close to God. He says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any veil. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through faith expressed through love. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. 
in 1 Thessalonians 3.12, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Take a moment and think about those things. I, I want to uh, mention uh, some commercial support for other broadcasts on the linked local network. There is the Community Voices chat that occurs, uh, that episode occurs every other Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And also the Pillars of Franchising uh, show that occurs on Thursday at 4 p.m. Central. And, uh, and then, of course, they are available on podcast form. And so we encourage you to, to subscribe to the Linked Local Network, which supports and provides the platform for our uh, show, Linked Local Network, which then is broadcast through uh, blogtalkradio.com. And, um, and so if you subscribe to the Linked Local Network, you will have easy access to uh, our show, Life Hurts, God Heals. We're hoping that, that is, this show is helping you. You can uh, reach that either through your, your Apple iPod or your um, FM player on your phone as well. Contact us on our Facebook page, Life Hurts, God Heals. We encourage you to do that. We also have an email. If uh, you need some help with some things, we would uh, offer to you know give you some guidance and life coaching so to speak. Life Hurts, God Heals 2020 at gmail.com. Life Hurts, God Heals 2020 at gmail.com. All right, so what do you think about all this? I have found that this love for God was like a seed in my life. And I, I, you know, as a pastor, and pastors, we do a lot of things out of a seated love for God. That is, it, it, it is in us. We, there, there is a passion and a call to do the, the difficult things uh, of, of ministry. Oftentimes, it's, it's exciting, and we feel like we're part of something great. And there's, there's lots of feelings involved passionate feelings about what we're involved with. But folks, as I have gotten older in the ministry, um, old enough, I guess, been doing this for 30 plus years, I've discovered that I can't live on emotions. Can't live on those feelings. Um, many of us can't. We either get burnt out on life or life tries to burn us out and uh, the enemy tries to destroy us and, uh, and we have nothing left and we go through tremendous amounts of perhaps grief or conflict or violence or well, whatever. I, I have spoken to many pastors who have who've quit, but that's just pastors. I've spoken to tenfold more believers, fellow believers, my brothers and sisters in Christ who are ready to quit the, the race, just give up. And it's at that moment you realize, wow, you know, the Christian life cannot live on emotion alone. It lives on every word of God. Every word of God. 
And what changed for me was after my wilderness journey of many, many years of loss, realizing that I can't, I can't function. I can't do life on emotion. I needed substance. I needed knowledge, a different kind of knowledge, not a head knowledge, not information. I didn't need information. I needed a radical redirection, which is really the catalyst for, you know, this show and the various endeavors I find myself in. I wanted to do my life with God from a fresh perspective. Perhaps a new century, new first century perspective, you know. Um, which, yes, it has emotion to it. There is a a real substantive joy that finds expression in smiles and and happy attitudes. But I don't live out of that anymore. I choose not to. I want to live out of the substance. And do you know where that substance was, was find, finding life? Was when I began to do my day out of love for God. Because my days are not easy and yours are far more difficult than mine. I promise you. I promise you. Your days are far more difficult than mine, just, just as a matter of fact. I mean, I'm, I'm a teacher now. I do a lot of teaching. And, and uh, in any case, I, I don't bear the same responsibilities and burdens that most of you deal with now. And uh, those days might come. The burdens might fall on my shoulder again. The stresses might fall on my shoulder again. But I promise you right now on the other side of the wilderness, I'm not experiencing that. But what I was left with was, I don't feel like getting up in the morning. I don't feel like doing the things that I do. Something needed to change. Even after the wilderness of hardships. There needed to be a change within, a paradigm shift, a refocus, a, a redirection. And I'm so grateful as I, over the months and years, began praying and asking God for wisdom and understanding for my life. He began to pour into me these very simple things that were always there, but I missed and I'm so grateful for the dynamic of every word of God. Because it opened my eyes. He opened my eyes to actually doing life because I love him. And when I began to do that, something far more wonderful began to happen. Not only was motivation coming back a compelling desire, a passion was being restored to my life and healing for the griefs that I had gone through was being added to my life and old wounds were being sewn up and forgiveness was, be, was, was pouring out for those that 
caused harm to me. Do you know you know what the byproduct of all this, folks? And I'm praying, and I pray even before I do these little reflection shows for us, I pray that you will find the same byproduct. And maybe it was, it's not a byproduct at all. It is the actual stuff that God wanted to have in my life. Here it is. I know it's going to sound crazy. Sincere love. Sincere love. Have you ever had to deal with loving people you didn't like? How do you how do you sincerely love someone you don't like? <laughs> you don't like what they do. You don't like being around them. They are they test your mettle. We all have individuals like that. You know what the byproduct of doing my daily activities, doing all that I do in the name of the Lord, doing all things in love, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.14. I found sincerity entering into my life. Not that I was insincere. That's... That maybe sincerity is the wrong kind of word. Maybe the word is authentic. In other words, I found myself actually developing a genuine, authentic, sincere love for my enemy. For the ones who caused me harm. A sincere Love. Not a begrudging love. Not a, I have to do this so that God likes me kind of love. But as I began to do things out of my love for God, it was as if God was pouring into me a genuine, authentic love for people I don't know, for people who rubbed me the, the wrong way. In fact, I found myself smiling as, as I'm with these people. It was as if God was putting into me a compassionate understanding. What's, and, and that was kind of the prayer I always wanted. I said, you know, at the beginning of this catalyst process, I would say, Lord, I'm doing this out of love for you. I wish I had my own love for them. You know what God started to do? I don't, I don't know how. Maybe this is the secret because it's still a secret, a mystery. I don't know how. But I found love filling my heart for everyone. It doesn't mean that I didn't that that I no longer had boundaries in my life. It doesn't mean that. There are abusive people in our lives. They take without asking. They demand without permission. Because they're needy, they're hungry, they're hurting. But we do need boundaries whether you're nurses, doctors, pastors, parents, Children of, of older parents, there are boundaries that you need to 
set for yourself so that your love remains true, so that you don't burn out. But even with those boundaries, these are boundaries because we love and because we have a sincere love. Boy, you know, I could talk on and on about this, but I really want, my prayer is that you would contemplate these things, that you would find transformative change as you begin to do life in love for God. Just do everything. A cup of water out of love for God. A change of clothing for someone who needs it out of love for God. Going into the messy, smelly situations of a person's life, heading in their direction out of love for God, and you will find God pouring in His love. His love is already there. The fullness of God's presence is already in your life. This is about exploring it. Allowing God to take you on a journey of just how tremendous His love is. I hope that makes sense. I hope that's a blessing for you. It's been a blessing for me to share it. And so I'm trusting and praying that God, whoever listens to these things, uh, will begin to practice the love of God in their own life. A practiced love for God and a love for others. Love is everything. Faith, our faith, is meaningless without love. And our love is meaningless without our connected, connective faith in God. All right. Enough said. Take care, folks. Have a good week. In Jesus' name.